Welcome to the show. This is the Indigenous People Podcast. We're back on this lovely, lovely Monday, November 9th, here in St. Louis. It's a nice November early afternoon. <coughs> and yes, I still have this cough, but it's getting better. I'm your host, Indigenous. And, uh,. It's been a crazy week. The weekend was more peaceful. It hasn't been crazy for me. I uh, I don't. I haven't really been caught up in all the election, you know, hullabaloo. I did have to unfollow a lot of people um, because they really showed their true colors, and uh, I'm I'm simply not going to deal with them. But that's too. That's that's the extent of me having, you know, any type of reaction. Uh, I'm not sad. I'm not disappointed. Um, I'm not angry. I don't want to go out here and spark a civil war. Um, if anything, I'm I'm very concerned about the integrity of our entire uh, system, <clears throat> as that bleeds down and will will. Uh, ultimately affect our republic. <clears throat> By the way, if you ever hear people call America a democracy, please correct them. America is not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. That is what we are. Okay, we're not a democracy. The left uses language for a reason. The left for years have always said democracy. Notice they never use that word republic or constitutional republic. That is what we are. We're not a democracy. They believe in democracy. <clears throat> and this election is showing you how they operate. They operate under under that worldview of we're a democracy. Folks, if we were a democracy, do you know how much havoc and chaos we would have in this country? If we were a democracy... It's it's completely reasonable to think that slavery would have never ended. It's completely reasonable to think that the Jim Crow laws would have never ended. The things that are law now are things that are correct, that have been correct in society presently, would have, wouldn't have gotten correct. You know, certain laws and certain statutes... Uh, even the ones that are unwritten, how we conduct ourselves in society. So, no, we're not a democracy. Democracy is bad. <laughs> pure democracy is bad. You do not want pure democracy. That's what Democrats and the left want. That's what they're trying to institute in America now. And they had to do so through a stolen election. But we're, we're still, technically... Although, you could argue we're not anymore. <clears throat> we're still a constitutional republic. As long as the Constitution hasn't been burned, and I wouldn't be surprised if the left, if they can maintain this illegitimate power, they're going to completely, they're going to literally burn the Constitution. They've been trying to get, they've been, along with just being completely criminal, this has kind of been buried in the past a little bit. But it's been brought up before, and I never thought that it could happen. They've been trying to spark a second constitutional convention to completely and utterly redo the Constitution and their image. That's really what they wanted. What that's really what they wanted to do. That's really what what the left and what Democrats wanted to do is to have another convention with their people overwhelmingly at these conventions because what 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 the left does and I'm going to get to the title of this uh episode of course it's still season 1 we got uh this is going to be episode 5 so we got five more it's 10 episodes in a season season 2 will premiere in prob most likely in February of 2021 um and then I'm going to go from there of course uh, but I'm going to get to the topic 
of today's show in a minute, which is the title of today's show. I'll, I'll get to all that in a minute. I just wanted to, you know, throw this this bit of information out there. What the left does so much better than the right, they stack the deck. They they will flood. Not only will they flood the system with illegal ballots, but they flood the system with their people. The right has to understand. <clears throat> and look, as a believer, as a born-again believer, I'm not perfect, but I'm not a savage. I'm not uncivilized. I know that there's a way I, I conduct myself. But it's going to come a time where it's literally give me liberty or give me death. Or I should I, I'm gonna put it in a more in a, in a better way. It's literally going to get to a point where if you do not fight and stand with God and stand with morality and stand with civil liberties and freedom and the Constitution, then you're you 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 could very well be lining yourself up. To either be imprisoned, severely damaged financially, where they would just marginalize you and just shut you out completely out of the economy that they're trying to establish during this great reset, which is what they ultimately want to do. That's what they've been doing to black men for years, for, for, for decades in America. They've effectively tried to shut us, and they have succeeded to a large extent. That's why black men have had to resort to, uh, you know, various means of, of, of generating wealth and income because we were shut out of the economy, of the larger mainstream economy. And to a certain degree, it's gotten better because black men have now moved into the middle class in a way that is rather significant. But um, we were shut out and marginalized very much so. <clears throat> and you're going to start to see that again for people, not black men exclusively. It's going to still happen to black men, but we're going to be joined by others who have a certain worldview, who have a certain set of beliefs. And it's going to be either you stand and fight tooth and nail, possibly to the death, possibly sacrificing everything that you've worked for, everything that is near and dear to your heart, your very life your very freedom or <clears throat> you give in to what this society has in store if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are upheld as illegal victors in this stolen election. Um, <clears throat> before I go on any further, I want to get to uh, the NFL. As I said before, this is this podcast isn't solely on politics and social issues and things like that. I do talk about sports. I'm going to be talking about more topics. Um, this is the hot topic right now, this election and politics. It has been for the last four years, let's be honest. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm just kind of giving my thoughts on it. So uh, with that being said, before I go into the actual topic of today's show, I'm going to get to the NFL scores for week nine. All right. So the Vikings beat the Lions 34 to 20. The Vikings are now 3 and 5 and the Lions are now 3 and 5. The Bills beat the Seahawks. I'm looking at this and I'm surprised that the Bills beat the Seahawks 44 to 34. The Bills are something to be something to watch. Uh, I, I was not a fan of Josh Allen coming out of college. I thought Josh Allen was the worst quarterback of the group of quarterbacks that were in that draft. I think it was Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen. Uh, clearly, Josh Allen is the best quarterback of that group. We don't know about Josh Rosen. His NFL career has been completely nuked for whatever reason. I think <coughs> I don't think he's been given a fair chance at all to be a quarterback in this league. The Cardinals shipped him out. And then Miami kind of just played with him and played with his career. And now he's in Tampa. And I think 
you know, hopefully he can stick around in Tampa and learn from Tom Brady. I think that will end up being the best thing to happen to him. He's still young. I think he's only like 23. And they and and people were saying that Josh Rosen was actually the better prospect of all the quarterbacks. It's just interesting. You have the guy who was rated one of the highest quarterbacks coming into the draft. His career has completely stalled. And then you had the guy who was rated among the lowest. His career has completely taken off. Right now, Josh Rosen is the best quarterback of that draft class, and it's not even an argument between him and the other quarterbacks. Sam Darnold is actually the worst. And I've been telling people about Sam Darnold uh, for the longest time. I've been called hater. A lot of Jets fans don't like me. They think that I don't know what I'm talking about because I don't watch Jets football. I've been a Jets fan since the days of Benny Testaverde, uh, Lavernius Coles, and Wayne Corbett, and Keyshawn Johnson, and uh, Aaron Glenn, and all, and you know, that, you know, <coughs> Curtis Martin, I mean, that that's, that's how long I've been a Jets fan. My two favorite teams in the NFL have always been the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so when people say I'm not a Jets fan, I've probably been a Jets fan longer than the people who accuse me of not being a Jets fan. Um, just because I don't live in New York doesn't mean I can't be a fan of the Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold, I don't know if he needs to leave New York. Maybe he does. Or he's just not that guy. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a little bit more of him not being that guy than it is him needing a new team or a new coaching staff or, or, or anything like that. At some point, we can't just keep making excuses that he needs weapons. I mean, listen. There have been quarterbacks throughout history who have had less weapons than what Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold has had, and they've been a lot more successful. They've developed a lot better than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, we just may have to accept that he's not that good, that he's not a starter. I'm starting to see that with Drew Locke. I don't know what people see. I don't know what they see in Drew Locke in, in Denver, but Drew Locke looks like a start. It looks like a backup quarterback. You're starting to see a lot of these guys really get exposed as the kind of quarterbacks that they might really be. Sam, Dar Sam Darnold just might be a backup who eventually comes on as a game manager when a veteran guy that he's behind retires. Like, there's a scenario. I was playing Madden 21, and I was the New York Jets, and I rebuilt their entire team. I traded Sam Darnold to the Steelers. Now, that was on a video game. I could see that in real life. Sam Darnold going to the Steelers, learning behind Ben Roethlisberger. I can see Sam Darnold in New England developing as a starter, either behind Cam Newton or if they decide not to bring Cam Newton back after this one-year deal. I can see Sam Darnold in Green Bay. Not Green Bay because they got Jordan Love. Never mind. I can see Sam Darnold in... I can see Sam Darnold in Seattle. As a as a you know a a backup to uh, Russell Wilson, I can see Sam Darnold in. I mean, there's not really a lot of places that he can go. Everybody's pretty much set a quarterback, whether they're defiant in the fact that their quarterbacks aren't that good, but they're sticking with them anyway, or they their quarterbacks have proven that they're elite and they're sticking with them. Um, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, uh, Drew Locke, guys like that. It's just I don't see it. I I saw the highlights from from that game. It was um and it's on here. What game was that? It was Denver and um. Let's see. I'm trying to find it on the um. I'm on my I'm on my tablet. It should be on here. <clears throat> it's Denver. Wait a minute. 
Oh, Denver and Atlanta. Denver lost 27 to 34. So they're 3 and 5, Atlanta's 3 and 6. <clears throat> like Drew Locke made mistakes in that game. Drew Locke has made a lot of mistakes this season. Um I just I I don't I don't see it. Some guys you just you watch them and it's an outside perspective. I'm not a Broncos hater. I'm not a Broncos fan. I'm completely neutral. I have nothing against Drew Locke. Drew Locke is from Missouri. He went. He played at Mizzou. So if anything, I should have a bias uh, in favor of him, but I don't. Um, I'm just going off of what I see, and for me, I, I just I don't see I don't see it in this kid, Drew Locke. I just don't. I I, I maybe. I don't watch enough Bills games. I mean, not Bills, Broncos games. Um, you know, maybe I need to watch more uh, Broncos game. Now, the guy on the Broncos, there's two guys on the Broncos that I I am becoming uh, fans of, a fan of. That's uh, the tight end, Noah Fant, and J uh, Jerry Judy. Noah Fant is fast becoming an excellent, excellent uh, tight end. And Jerry Judy is 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 uh, looking like he's going to be a really, really good wide receiver in this league. Um, you know, I, I look for him to either make the Pro Bowl this year as a reserve or make the Pro Bowl as a starter next year for sure. And Noah Fan, he's, he's just on the rise. Um, he's in, he's going to be in that conversation soon. Him and, uh, him and Derek, uh, him and Waller. Is it Darren Waller out there in, uh, with the, uh, with the Raiders? They're, 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 they're knocking on the door with, with, uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, for me, George Kittle is the best tight end in football. I think he can do more things. Than, than Travis Kelsey. Um, Travis Kelsey, to me, I mean, he, he's an offensive weapon, but George Kittle, <laughs> George Kittle is an offensive weapon, plus he's just a good football player. So I, if, you're, if you're asking me who would I take, Kittle or Kelsey, I'm taking Kittle. Um, I'm taking Kittle because I can just do more things with him. If I'm just straight offense and I got the wide receivers, if I'm if I'm running an offensive system like Kansas City, I'm taking Kelsey. But I can take Kittle and utilize him in an offense that is more focused on, you know, running guns, scoring points, straight line down the field. Um, and I can also use him in an offense that is focused more on ground and pound run game where you slow down the clock and you slowly uh, drain the energy from the defense. You can use Kittle in an offense like that. I don't think you can use Kelsey in that type of offense. I think I think Kittle has a lot more grit and a lot more... Um, <clears throat> And a lot more warrior in him than Kelsey. Kelsey tries to come off as this, you know, white boy Rick, pretty boy, slick dude. And I think, you know, of course that his personality, you know, bleeds into how he plays. Um, Kittle, Kittle just comes off as more of a warrior to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking Kittle for, for various reasons over Kelsey. Um, but no offense. And 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 the and the uh, the brother out there with the Raiders, they're they're knocking on the door. As a matter of fact, next year they they might bust that door down. When you talk about, you know, who who are the best tight ends in the NFL? Uh, one of those two guys, and I think it's going it's probably going to be Waller because Waller is having a better season. Uh, Waller's probably going to be considered the best tight end in football next year. Um. But let's continue with the score. So, um, let's see. So the Bills won 44 to 34 against Seattle. They're now seven and two. Seattle six and two. 
The Raiders beat the Chargers 31 to 26. The Raiders, who are a surprise team, I like the Raiders. I've always liked uh, Derek Carr. I don't understand why he got so much hate, uh, you know, but I, I've always liked Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr's personality, and I like how he plays quarterback. Uh, so the Raiders are 5-3, and three, and, uh, you know, they're knocking on the doorstep of making the playoffs in the uh, AFC West. The Dolphins, and I saw highlights to this game. Um, I don't know how I feel about Tua Tungavailoa yet. But that Miami Dolphins defense is something else. Like, you think where Miami was um, last year, but really the year before that, they were horrible. That was literally the worst franchise in all of professional sports. And look at them now. They're 5-3. and three. They have a really good defense. They got Byron Jones, Kyle Van Oy. They got they got the X Man, uh, Xavier Howard. Um, they've got something going, and and it's good to see Brian Flores stick around. You know, usually with black head coaches in the NFL, they keep you when the team is garbage, and when they're when they start to rebuild and turn around in the positive direction, that's when they want to get rid of them. So it's good, and then hopefully that don't happen to Brian Flores. Um, because I think Miami's going to make the playoffs. I think Miami's defense is good enough to hide a lot of the things that Tua Tungavailoa can't do yet as a quarterback in this league. Tua is not going to be the reason they make the playoffs. That defense is, period. Um, so they won yesterday 34-31 to against the Cardinals. Uh, as far as Arizona, that's my all-time favorite team. Um I love the Arizona Cardinals. They left St. Louis the year I was born in 1987. Um, of course, I live in St. Louis. I was born and raised here. Um, I'm talking about Arizona going back, you know, Jake Plummer, Larry Centers, uh, Frank Sanders, uh, Ray Knock Thompson, uh, you know, Ronald McKinnon, uh, Aeneas Williams, Simeon Rice, who else did they have? Kwame Lasseter, David Barrett, uh, who else? Who else did they have? They had a lot of they had a lot of good players. Um they struggled a lot throughout the nineties. They struggled a lot throughout the nineties, the Cardinals did. When they had Jake Plummer and Aeneas Williams and all those guys. That's my favorite team though. They lost. They're five and three, but I think they're gonna make the playoffs. Um, I wonder about their defense. Their offense is straight, you know, D hop and, 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 you know, Christian Kirk and them dudes, of course, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is like miniature Russell, Russell Wilson, but he also reminds me a little bit of Patrick Mahomes, um, he he's like a combination of the two. He he really does remind me of a combination of those two players. And I didn't expect him to be this good. I didn't expect him to be able to throw as good as he does. I thought he was just going to be a gimmicky, you know, gadget, not a gadget, but like a gimmick player. You know, they would design plays for him, a lot of run option passes and and things like that, and they would run the ball a lot more. I did not see the type of passer that he is now. I didn't see that coming. Kyler Murray is for real, and I think next year he is definitely in line to compete for league MVP. So uh, uh, the Steelers beat Dallas 24-19. I was watching the highlights, and I hadn't watched this game. I thought Dallas was going to win this game. Um you know, Garrett Gilbert was a quarterback. I remember Garrett Gilbert at Texas. It was him and Colt McCoy. Um, and, you know, he looked pretty good. They're 2-7. and seven. The Steelers are 8-0. I like the Steelers. I've always liked them. Shout out to Mike Tomlin. Um, I don't think the Steelers can beat the Chiefs. I think the only team in the AFC that can beat the Chiefs, believe it or not, are the Titans. I think the Titans can beat the Chiefs uh, this time around. I think that's, those are the two teams that are going to meet in the AFC Championship. 
I think it's going to be a rematch. I'm calling it right now. But I also reserve the right to change my pick as the season goes along. My backup team will be Pittsburgh. I don't think Baltimore stands a chance to get out of the first round. Um, I don't think they're going to have a first round bye this year. Well, they might. They might. Um, it does. It doesn't matter though. I don't think Baltimore is getting to the AFC Championship at all. I think they're going to get cooked. They're going to get cooked. And I'm not one who who is critical of Lamar Jackson's passing ability. I think Lamar Jackson is an excellent passer. But when teams have gotten you when when certain teams have your number and you got to go through them to get to that level to get to that next stage and they have your number, they have your number. You can't beat them. It's just I mean simply put, Kansas City is just a better team than Baltimore. Uh Pittsburgh is is I mean, the game was close. I think the score was 28-24 Pittsburgh. They might be able to beat Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh would be even more better prepared to beat them in the playoffs. But they can't beat Kansas City. I don't care what anybody says. Shout out to all the listeners in Baltimore. Support support the podcast. Listen in. um, You know, make comments. Follow follow the show. I love all y'all in Baltimore. But y'all team cannot beat Kansas City. They can't. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to turn this into a sports uh, a sports topic. It was going to be a different topic. I was going to read off these uh, these scores and then get on with the topic. We're going to do sports. We're going to do about, I'm going to do about, maybe about 40 minutes. No, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do about 35 minutes. 35, 40 minutes. We'll see. But it's going to be, this This is a, because uh, I got, I, I, I've been, I've been watching the NFL highlights and games. I've been trying to watch as many games as, as, as possible. I've been busy. There's a lot of stuff that that I've noticed about this season. And you can tell they didn't have preseason. I don't think, and I, I don't think they had uh, training camps because of COVID. And you can tell, like you can tell, um. Guys in the NFL who play who play on defense, they never could tackle. Like their their technique is garbage. These are some of the worst tacklers I've ever seen. I've been watching the NFL since 1994. I'm 33 years old. Like I grew up 90s football. Reggie White was still playing. Derek Thomas was still playing. Cornelius Bennett was still playing. You know what I'm saying? Darren Woodson was still playing. You know, guys that could hit hard, punishing hitters. Reggie White, one of the greatest defensive players ever. One of the greatest football players ever. 90s football. And you can see the difference now between today's version of the NFL and back then. I didn't think the the difference would be so stark. The contrast. Like it is in basketball, like in the NBA. Like you watch the NBA now, it's just fun and gun. And nobody plays defense. So you can tell the difference between the NBA now and the NBA in the 90s. But for a while, I couldn't tell really tell the difference between the NFL now and the NFL back then when I, when I was watching it in the 90s. Now I can tell the difference. Dudes don't tackle. They don't play defense. Their their technique and their understanding of how to play defense clearly is lacking. Um, it's just the defense is just, and I know the rule change has had a lot to do with it. But rule change or no rule change, you should know how to tackle. All right, I got as far as Matthews Dickey football. I'm not gonna sit up here and act like I played in the league. And they, they, I got, I played peewee, I played Pop Warner football. They taught us how to rap tackle in Pop Warner football. And for these guys who went from Pop Warner high school, college to the NFL, for them not to know how to rap tackle, a rap tackle won't put anyone in danger of having a concussion if you properly wrap the person up and tackle them. That's how you're supposed to tackle. They don't do it anymore. 
You see guys push people out of bounds. Or they do this thing where they, they, they do those little dive hits where they lean in with their shoulder and dive at them. That's more dangerous than, than rap tackles. If you're diving at a player, that's what got Andy Dalton uh, concussed. Because John Bostic dived at him, and, and it was a helmet-to-helmet hit. So while they're busy trying to change rules in the game to protect offensive players and to limit concussions, one of the consequences of that was Andy Dalton getting a concussion. Because Jonathan Bostic didn't properly tackle. First of all, he slid, so when he, once he slides, you don't hit him. That's basic football. When somebody, when the quarterback is sliding, you don't hit him. Because all you're going to do is get his head. So you put yourself in position to get ejected or get penalized, and you cost your team yards. And you're putting another man's livelihood at risk by, by uh, giving him a concussion. That could have been a lot worse. I think uh, uh, Kyle Allen in Washington, he got hit like that. He got hit. He was going out of bounds and somebody dived. And that was just, that was the side of the helmet on uh, on the side of his helmet. Somebody hit him and he got knocked out. These guys got to learn how to tackle. That's the one thing that I hate about today's NFL. These defenders do not know how to properly wrap up the opposing player and tackle them. You can't get hurt if you wrap tackle. Your head is completely in a safe position when you properly wrap tackle. When you dive at people like they do, they die, they be diving shoulder first into these people. These guys don't want to get, these guys don't want to, these guys don't want to tackle. They're afraid to tackle because of rules and they don't know how to tackle, but also some of them are afraid to tackle. Some of these dudes are afraid to tackle. There's no excuse. Lawrence Taylor was never afraid to tackle. Imagine the greatest defensive player ever. Lawrence Taylor, number 56. The man who won Defensive Player of the Year and NFL MVP in the same season. The greatest, pass, the greatest pass rusher ever, Lawrence Taylor. Imagine him tackling like that. I could not, I, I couldn't imagine Bruce Smith, uh, Cornelius Bennett, uh, Ronnie Lott, Jack Tatum. Uh, who else? Uh, I'm, talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the the, the, the the greatest, most fearsome hitters in league history. Uh, you know, John Lynch, John Lynch, there's a lot of, Helmet to helmet. There's a lot of lunging, diving hits that John Lynch put on people. I think John Lynch is overrated. John Lynch has always been overrated to me. He's always been overrated. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's overrated. John Lynch, there's a lot of dirty hits that John Lynch put on people. Rodney Harrison is another one. I remember Rodney Harrison when he played for, for San Diego. Back in the 90s, Rodney Harrison was punishing dudes. For for a guy that that's so small, the way he punished people. But Rodney Harrison was doing a lot of dirty hits too. But I couldn't imagine, and I'm not saying Rodney Harrison didn't know how to tackle. They did. Because they came up in an era where tackling was 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 emphasized and it was taught. And guys knew how to pro and, and the technique was 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 important to have but i'm seeing all these missed tackles these slip you know guys not being able to 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 get a person down uh these half-hearted effort tackles pushing people out of bounds uh diving you know put diving and, and lunging with your shoulder first which could potentially hurt your shoulder you know, it's just horrible, horrible tackling technique out there in today's NFL. And like I was saying, I, I could not imagine Bruce Smith, Cornelius Bennett, uh, uh, Ronnie Lott, Steve Atwater. Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, uh, you know, Kevin Green and, and uh, you know, Greg Lloyd and all those guys tackling like that. 
some of the most fearsome hitters. A lot of those guys are Hall of Famers. A lot of them are, but a lot of them were premier players in their day. Greg Lloyd ain't a Hall of Famer, but Greg Lloyd was an excellent, excellent linebacker. Wasn't that very, wasn't very big either, but he put it on you, and he knew how to tackle. He knew how to tackle. These guys were rap tackling and still doing damage. John Randall, Warren Sapp, these guys were still doing damage. And they had proper technique. Guys today, guys these days don't have proper technique. They don't. And it's all over the field. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there watching these highlights and guys are just getting open. Guys are standing there for like 10 seconds wide open. Nobody's accounting for them. Because nobody plays man-to-man coverage. Nobody plays man-to-man coverage anymore in the NFL. Game is just wide open when it don't need to be. Guys, you know, guys are are, are able to turn a three-yard run into a 13-yard run. Because guys don't know how to tackle. Guys are afraid to engage these players. You got guys playing linebacker 6'3", 250. They run a 4'3", afraid to engage and hit 5'9", 5'8", 211-pound running backs. When you're twice their size. Christian McCaffrey's only 5'9. Ezekiel Elliott is what, about 5'11? If I'm 6'4, if I'm Bud Dupree, I'm I'm not picking on Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree's about 6'5, 260. If I'm the size of Bud Dupree, if I'm the size of Tremon Edmonds, if I'm the size of of uh, Von Miller, if I'm the size of Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, uh, you know, if I'm the size of those dudes, I'm, I'm, I'm engaging you full blast. And I'm going to try to wrap you up and put you in the dirt. You're not getting a 10, 15 yard run off of me when that play, <laughs> when that play should have been three yards or a loss. And all these, and all of a sudden, you see him, and these plays are just busting open for 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 uh, huge gains because guys are missing tackles. They're not wrapping. They're grabbing for guys, and they can just stiff arm them and throw them to the side. Ain't no way. Look, Derrick Henry has the best stiff arm in football. Derrick Henry is 6'4", 260, and can run like a four three. Excellent running back. The best running back in football, hands down, is Derrick Henry. It's not Christian McCaffrey. And I'm going to do a show on the best running backs. I'm not a Christian McCaffrey hater. I like Christian McCaffrey. I like the way he carries himself, and I like him as a player. But there is a myth that arose that Christian McCaffrey is somehow the best running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry is the best running back in the NFL, and I'm going to do a show probably either tomorrow or Wednesday because I have some other topics I want to get to that are non-sport related. I'm going to do a show, and I may do this weekly at the end of the week. So I'm going to do this at the end of the week. I'm going to do this on Friday. It's a top 10 in football by position. I'm going to do a position a week until the end of the season. We're going to go down the line. We're going to go from quarterback, lineman, defensive uh, line, cornerback, safety, free safety, uh, linebacker. We're going to do the best pass rushers. We're going to do the best defensive tackles. Of course, Aaron Donald's going to win that. Um, We're doing the best tight ends. We're doing the best rookies. We're doing the best wide receivers, the best running backs. And that's going to be the first one I do, the best running backs. Y'all gonna like that show. I'm gonna do the, the the I'm gonna do the best running backs in the NFL top ten on Friday. Because I don't I I, I like Christian McCaffrey, but I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it in some of these guys. 
I don't see, I noticed that Christian McCaffrey could not do enough to get his team to the playoffs last year. I'm talking about impact. Who has more impact on their team, Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry? And when you look, clearly Derrick Henry has more impact on the direction his team goes than Christian McCaffrey does. I don't think Christian McCaffrey is built to carry that load and to warrant that impact because of the heavy load. Christian McCaffrey is like 5'9". He's like 5'9", 2'11". Derrick Henry is almost 6'5". He's almost 200, he's 260 pounds. And he runs like a deer. So he can carry that load and as a result, the Titans made the playoffs on the back of Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill helped, but Derrick Henry is the reason why they made the AFC Championship game. I don't think you can expect that of Christian McCaffrey. I don't think you can expect that from Dalvin Cook. I think a load like that requires a big running back. You could have eat. You could have, if you put, let's take a guy, speaking of the Titans, let's take a guy like Eddie George. Eddie George was 6'3". Eddie George was like 6'3", 250. <clears throat> a guy like Eddie George in today's NFL where the, the uh, defensive players are smaller and they don't know how to tackle and they're a lot softer, Eddie George would rush for 1,000 yards every single year. Easily, he'd rush for over 1,500 yards. Because they can't, they can't stop Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry would be breaking for these runs. He'd be carrying five guys with him into the end zone. He'd be stiff-arming dudes like it's nothing. Derrick Henry always breaks for big runs every time he carries the ball. And he don't get tired. And that's not just because of bad tackling. That's just because the dude is a beast. Again, he's almost six foot five. And they said Derrick Henry was doing stuff like this in high school. Let me get back to these scores. So we got the Saints. The Saints, ooh, they tore up ball, uh, Tampa Bay 38-3. to Skip Bayless ain't going to be happy about that. If the Patriots lose to the Jets, I think Cam will probably be a free agent next year. I don't think they're going to bring them back anyway, but if they lose to the Jets. The Jets are beyond horrible. If they lose to the Jets tomorrow, then Cam probably ain't going to have a job in New England. I, I, I don't know. I think I don't think they're going to bring Cam back in New England. Um, I think they're going to try to either get a quarterback through a trade or they're going to try to draft a quarterback. I think... I don't know if I'm New England. I, I would either go after Sam Darnold or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo if I'm not going to bring Cam back. I want them to bring Cam Newton back, but I don't think they are. I don't think they are either way. I if I think I don't think they're going to bring him back if they made the playoffs as a wild card, and I definitely don't think they're going to bring him back if they have a losing season. Like if they finish, they're they're two and five. If they finish like seven and nine. Or a six and ten, they're not bringing him back. The Texans beat the Jaguars twenty-seven to twenty-five. They're two and six. The Jaguars are one and seven. Um, I don't know about the Texans, man. Shout out to everybody in Houston, Texas. JJ Watt came out and was like, you know what? I don't have ten years. So uh, we got to make a decision. I think J.J. Watt's on his way out. I think Deshaun, I think Deshaun Watson is is having some buyer's remorse on that contract he signed. I really do. I I, I think I think he was kind of pressured. In my view, I think he was kind of pressured into signing that extension because of the money and because of the fans and people probably talking in his ear. Because I think Deshaun Watson, when 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 uh when um. Drawing a blank. What's his name? When DeAndre Hopkins got traded to Arizona, I think 
I think he was looking at that like, man. I think Deshaun Watson deep down wanted to leave Houston. And I don't think he really wanted to sign that deal, but he did it anyway. So we'll see. The Chiefs beat the Panthers 33 to 31. The Chiefs are 8 and 1. The Panthers are 3 and 6. The Bears lost to the Titans 24 to 17. Titans are 6 and 2. Bears are 5 and 4. And the Giants beat the Redskins. I'm not calling them football team. They're the Redskins. The Giants beat the Redskins 23 to 20. The Giants are 2 and 7. The Redskins are 2 and 6 in the in the NFC East. The Ravens beat the Colts 24 to 10. The Ravens are 6 and 2. The Colts are 5 and 3. The Colts are, are the Colts are another team. They're like they're like the Raiders. They're under the radar, kind of just chugging along. They're going to make the playoffs. Um Man, Lamar Jackson is good against everybody else except the Chiefs. He's gonna he he might end up being that guy that never wins a championship. That's excellent against everybody, but he's got that one team that's his that that's his that's his kryptonite. For some reason, he just he just can't clear them. And uh, I think you know. <clears throat> Let me see. Let me go through these scores. Make sure I got everybody. Yep. Okay. So that was uh, those were the scores from yesterday's action for Week Nine. You know, as there comes a there, there's always moments where there's just people or 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 teams, players that you just can't. You it's just. They serve. They 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 serve as your as your foil. They serve as your foil. You know, sometimes it just it just ends up being like that. Uh, for Charles Barkley, it was Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan did that to everybody, but you could. Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley in particular. Michael Jordan kept them. He 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 effectively kept them. From winning championships. And Carl Malone. He did that with everybody. He did that with all the greats. Of that era in the NBA. He, he just completely stonewalled them. And he was about to stonewall Clyde Drexler. But Clyde Drexler. Was smart about it. And it's funny because young people. Who defend LeBron. And defend everybody teaming up. In today's era criticized Clyde Drexler for teaming up with Hakeem Olajuwon in 95 with the Rockets when they won their second championship. But Hakeem, but but Clyde Drexler was just being smart. He was getting up there in age. He retired right after he won. And I think he opened up like a restaurant or something like a rib place. Clyde Drexler is one of the greatest shooting guards ever. He's one of the greatest players ever. He gets overlooked because he was in the era with Jordan and Jordan beat him in the finals. But Clyde Drexler was a very excellent basketball player. And people forget that Clyde Drexler was on the was on the dream team too. Clyde Drexler is just overlooked. Jordan Jordan has that effect on people. LeBron doesn't though. Now, I know I'm switching gears from football to basketball. I just want to touch on this. It's a part of my overall point about Lamar Jackson. Um, but I want to say this right quick. LeBron James doesn't overshadow anybody. There are players in LeBron James' era who have plenty of shine while he's still being considered the best player. During Michael Jordan's era, he outshined everybody. He was clearly the guy. He took all the light and all the attention and all the air out of the room. LeBron James doesn't do that. Kawhi Leonard still shines in the LeBron James era. Giannis Antetokounmpo won the MVP twice in the LeBron James era. Now we know that Karl Malone, Charles Barkley, they won MVP during the MJ era, but MJ still outshined them. There was still something about Michael Jordan that just 
cast a blanket of darkness, a shadow over every other player. He was bigger than the game. He had an aura that was bigger than basketball. He was it. With LeBron James, you don't get that that you don't get that uh, that feeling with LeBron. He's just a dominating player. He's like Shaq. As dominant as Shaq was, Shaq, I mean, Shaq was dominant all the way in Orlando. He still got cooked. Nobody cooked Jordan in the finals. LeBron has been cooked in the finals. Nobody has cooked Jordan in the finals. Nobody has, nobody shut Jordan out in the finals. The man went 6-0. and LeBron hasn't prevented anybody from winning championships. Kawhi got a championship. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Tim Duncan, they all got championships. Michael Jordan closed the door on cats throughout an entire era. He shut the door on them. Charles Barkley. Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Carl Malone, John Stockton. The list goes on and on. Clyde Drexler, once again, he he couldn't win one until Jordan was out the league. The only player that you can say Jordan did not close the door on was Hakeem. Hakeem. Hakeem's greatness just transcended the Jordan effect. But there's a lot of players who ate even though LeBron James was taking all the food. They still managed to eat. You can't say that about Jordan except for one player. That's Hakeem. I'm talking about during the 90s. Hakeem got two rings. Hakeem Olajuwon was the best player in 1994 and 1995, period. He was the most dominant player when Jordan was gone and when Jordan came back. Hands down. And with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes is his foil. Patrick Mahomes is going to shut him out of every chance to win a Super Bowl. I guarantee it. And I like Lamar Jackson. And I hate the Chiefs. I'm from St. Louis. They're in Kansas City. There's a rivalry there that goes back all the way. Trent Green and Kurt Warner when the Rams were in St. Louis. We have learned through many, many means and through many for many reasons to hate people in Kansas City and to hate all things Kansas City, even though Kansas City is in Missouri like St. Louis. That rivalry runs deep for us in St. Louis. We do not we do not rock with people in Kansas City. I got family members in Kansas City. I love them, but I don't rock with Kansas City. But I will say this Kansas City has better looking better looking females than St. Louis. Aside from that, I hate the Chiefs. I hate the Royals, but I can't deny Patrick Patrick Mahomes' greatness. I don't like Travis Kelsey at all. I think Travis Kelsey is a wannabe, but you can't deny his his talent as a as a tight end. I can't stand Tyreek Hill, but you can't deny his talent. You can't deny Andy Reid's talent as a coach. Kansas City is always going to be a roadblock to the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens can eventually can eventually beat uh, Pittsburgh. I think they can eventually beat uh, Tennessee. I think they could easily beat Miami in a playoff game. I think they can easily beat the Colts in a playoff game. But I don't think they'll ever be able to beat Kansas City. I just think Patrick Mahomes is his foil. He's his kryptonite. He's just that guy that's going to always stand in his way. 
And sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes there are just guys that are just a little bit better than you are, that command the stage a lot, a little bit better than you do. And, you know, Lamar Jackson may end up being like a Charles Barkley or or John or a Carl Malone, an extremely great individual player, but no rings to show for it. It's still early in his career. He's only 20, what, 23, 24 years old. But Patrick Mahomes is only getting better. He's ascending fast. He's not just ascending. He's ascending fast. He's accomplished so much at such a young age. I think more. I think he's accomplished the most at his age than any other player, any other quarterback in NFL history. I think they said that he he became the fastest player to reach a hundred career touchdowns. I'm gonna look that up on my tablet. Patrick Mahomes, one hundred. Yeah, he, yeah. It says it right here. USA Today. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Hold on. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes becomes fastest player to 100 career touchdown passes. Yeah, this dude is just amazing. I, I, I mean, I, I love watching them. I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. I hate that team. But I love watching Patrick Mahomes. Like, he is just it. Patrick Mahomes is it. Um, And, you know, as far as Lamar Jackson is concerned, you may have to catch him. You may just have to catch him later on when everybody's a little bit older or because of, you know, contract reasons or whatever, free agency. Uh you know, guys that they had now are no longer on the team. You just, that's may, that may be the way you, you, you know, you try to catch them. But at this moment for the foreseeable future, the, the Ravens are not, they not, they not messing with the chiefs. They not messing with the chiefs. You know, they, they're just not. And uh, that's the show today, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and get up out of here. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the ears who tuned in and listened. Once again, go to our Anchor FM podcast site, Indigenous People. Support us. Become a listener. Share this podcast. Share this episode. We've got more coming. This is episode five. It was going to be called Just Pray, but since I went into the sports direction, I'm going to call it... See, it's season one, episode five, and the title of this podcast is Fundamentals, because that's what's lacking when it comes to tackling in the NFL, Fundamentals. So this one's called Fundamentals, and I know a lot of you guys like sports. I'm going to try to hit the sports scene, you know, with some episodes in the future, Tune in this Friday. Uh, we're going to talk about the top running backs in the league. My number one is Derrick Henry. I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why Christian McCaffrey was never the best running back in the league. If you're from if you're from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, or anywhere in North Carolina, uh, tune in. Uh, I know you're going to hate what I say, but we can we can we can always disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. It's called an opinion. That's all it is. It's just a harmless opinion. Uh, I could be dead wrong. Oh, well. Uh, Just make sure you guys tune in, support the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. We're doing big things. We just launched, you know, the website. We just launched, you know, really getting these these episodes on on uh, on the Internet so people can listen. It's a slow build, but we really believe in it. It's going to take some time, but we're committed to it. We're all in. Once again, this is the Indigenous People Podcast, Monday, November 9th. I am your host, Indigenous, and I will see you 
on the other side. Peace.